go birding all over Sweden. Don't forget that this song is only part of the lead-in. Yeah, just one portion of the lead-in. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah, and he's Eric. And we created this podcast to share our adventures, sometimes misadventures, and our opinions that we have on different birding topics. We are definitely not experts, and anything that we discuss that might be controversial, we want you to remember that there are our own opinions, and they might be different from yours. So, we've been really, really busy, but have we? birding news has been busy too, right? <laughs> yeah. There's some birding news, right? Yeah, and the first thing I thought we could talk about, um, since Eric is the unofficial eBird outreach coordinator. Completely unofficial. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even know. <laughs> um, but I thought you could talk about the updates and your review of them that happened while we've in the last couple weeks. Yeah, so right when we got to California for the, um, what was that, three weeks ago? Maybe. For the Pelagic trip, um, eBird came out with an update for the, um, the Android app, which I really, really like the new update. It does, it's, kind of, it, for me, it streamlined the um, offline checklist portion. But, uh, so basically what is it first? So, so what it is now, it's basically the same thing. It's still, it's still the eBird app. You still make your lists. You still choose the location, all that stuff. But what you essentially do is you create an offline checklist every single time using GPS coordinates. So your phone will find the GPS coordinates and then it'll, then it'll, based on those GPS coordinates, choose a pre-downloaded pack. So you would pre-download, say, California, Oregon, Washington, or wherever you're going to be birding we i downloaded uh for our for our trip downloaded sweden denmark um finland all all the different countries we were going to that way i had the bird packs downloaded already and when we got to the location i didn't need any internet all i needed was gps coordinates i gathered the location and it would it would populate a local list with um from the last update with um incidents occurrences and rarities so i would be able to pretty effectively make a checklist as if I was online, but I'm not online. So it's, for, for me, I really have enjoyed this new, this new update and it came just in time for us traveling overseas. So we didn't have to try to come up with, okay, well, I think we're going to be birding in this area and download a, a download a checklist for a location that we may not even go to or download a checklist but not get a checklist for the place that we end up actually going to. So, so normally it's kind of nice. Normally when we don't have like cell service, when we like travel abroad or, you know, even in the States, when we go to a place that doesn't have service, what we'll do is like, if we think about it, we'll at, if the, we ho remember. Yeah, at the hotel <laughs> or wherever we have Wi-Fi, we'll um, say like, oh, I'm going to, you know, we plan on going to this birding location. So we'll open up a checklist as if we were there trying to start mm -hmm. the checklist and then um, turn off the the routing or the yeah turn turn off the routing and start start the start the checklist and just leave the checklist open so that way we have the, the information downloaded yeah so it's pre-downloaded otherwise um, prior to this update uh, if we got to the place and we just found out we didn't have cell phone service then we would kind of be in um, and a pickle. <laughs> We'd be in a millennial panic where we are like, oh no, I, what birds could be seen here? <laughs> yeah, we, we have to go back old-fashioned and go through the field guide and, you know, the, the old-fashioned way, with the way everyone's been doing it for the last 200 years. And I refuse to do that. Yeah. 
This this newfangled technology, we can't get rid of it. So so the new new update, I really like it. But you've seen a lot of controversy. About oh, it there, too, there's right? there's been a lot of people that are dissatisfied. Um, I think a lot of the unhappiness is just because of the change. Mm-hmm. Um, I and from what I've seen, it doesn't look like it's that much of a change from the total workings of it. It's just that you have to download the packs. So you download the packs, and then from there, it essentially works the same. The only, the only negative that I have noticed is if you're birding in a location that, and you're going to walk, say, two miles on this trail, and to you it appears to be the same habitat, if you cross over um, to two different hotspots and you don't realize that you're going from one hotspot to another, like say you're at the lighthouse and you walk over to the bay, at the same location, same habitat, it's just two different hotspots have been created. Mm-hmm. In order, you wouldn't know that until after you have after you go find your location once you're back on internet. So it's kind of, you, you kind of have to do your research ahead of time a little bit, but you are, in the previous version, you already had to do all that research ahead of time. It was, you had to do that research every single time ahead of time, instead of now, it's just kind of make your offline checklist, and then when you get back to internet, Maybe you'll have to edit, edit your checklist and create two checklists off of one if you remember which ones are which. So I, I can see not knowing which hotspots you're at could be, could be a little bit uh, frustrating when you're offline every single time. But if you have internet the whole time, you just start the checklist and immediately go to change the location. So that's you, you, you go to um, edit the location and then it'll, pop, it'll populate with your locations and you just do it that way. So it's, it's not... If you have internet the whole time, it's really not that big a deal. No no big change. Okay. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another piece of birding news. When we got home, we had an envelope waiting for us, and it had our backyard birding game in it. Yeah, the, the card game. We interviewed the, um, the creators of it. Jeff uh, and Jeremy. Jeff and Jeremy a couple, uh, couple, couple months, months back. Ago. Yeah. And uh, my copy of the game finally came. I'm Yay. super excited. We haven't played yet. <laughs> no, it's it's still wrapped in plastic. It's a collector's item now, as far as I know. We should have ordered two. We should have ordered two to play one. I mean, Dang it. I don't know. What were we thinking? Anyways, um, yeah, so we're <laughs> super excited to play that. And um, thank you guys for that. Uh, our next little piece is that we have another Apple podcast review. Woo! <laughs> thank <Yeah>. you so much. <laughs> that was really exciting to see when we were... Um, Tired and frustrated birding around Europe. So, uh, Eric, do you want to read it? You just don't want to read the name. That's, no, that's I all don't. It is. Yeah. So, so the um, the name is JC nine 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 zero nine 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 nine. There you go. Good job. Yeah, it's it's it just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> um, I have been searching to fill the void since uh, BT three left us. Bill Thompson the Bill third. Thompson the third. And I am happy to say that I have found a great birding podcast. You are funny, informative, thoughtful, and interesting. I would love to come to your neck of the woods. Please give a plug for your hotel so we can get there the next time we are in the area. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, JC9990999. <laughs> and thank you to everybody else who's reviewed us. Um, we really appreciate it. And we, um, yeah, it's it's really nice to... Yeah, we love to hear reviews. Validation. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with that, there is a... Uh, like a award that's going on right now or a nomination period for an award. I posted it on our Facebook recently and I'll post it again. Just, you know, just in hopes that somebody will nominate us. And I think somebody <laughs> did already. Um, so that's really exciting. We appreciate it. We don't need, um, accolades or anything like that. we're going to be doing this as long as we have enough money to, 
So, as long as we have enough patience to sit down and actually record. Yeah. So um, if you want to nominate us for that, I'll post it on Facebook and on Twitter, and we would definitely appreciate it if you don't have time or you don't really care to. You know, I get that too. There's a lot of things that I don't nominate people for. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you for the review, and, you know, thanks again, everybody, for listening to us. Uh, we really appreciate it, and it is, it's exciting to know that people actually kind of like what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, so to address JC9990999, um, uh, they want us to plug our, our hotel. So so we've mentioned it a handful of times in the podcast. So just give some background. Um, my family has owned a hotel in Cannon Beach, Oregon, which is on the North Oregon coast for uh, many years, since 1965. Mm-hmm. And in 2014, we used to be like this little cabin. Um and the house and people would rent that out like surfers and just people moving through town uh, can Beach used to be real artist community and surfer community now it's very touristy with lots of art galleries and great restaurants it's still an art community but it's uh, a much more, more highbrow upscale yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <Art> community <laughs> and yeah so eric and i when we moved home from florida we moved home to run the family hotel after my grandparents died um my mom and my aunt were able to purchase the hotel from the rest of the family mm-hmm. who didn't really care to run it anymore. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. So that's what Eric and I do full-time, more than full-time, all the time, um, besides birdie. <laughs> <laughs> and we, one of the reasons I didn't really want to mention the hotel too much, like I know I've hinted at it, and it's, it's we've hard. T- we've talked about it a couple times. It's hard not to because that's so much of our life. It's what we do 20, 27 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I didn't really like want to blast it out on the podcast because I didn't, I didn't want you guys to feel like I'm just trying to like advertise to you or like trying to, and you know, sell the hotel because that's not why we're here to, we're here to talk about birds. Yeah. We're here to talk about birds. Hotel is super important too. Yeah. But and birds yeah, are important. Like we said, it's a big part of our life. Um, but since so many people have asked, we do want to talk about our hotel. So it's called the Seabreeze Court. It's in Cannon Beach, Oregon. Um, about an hour and a half from Portland West. We are a great little community to see tufted puffins in the summer. Um, Harlequin ducks almost year round. Yeah. Um, pigeon guillemots, common murres, three species of cormorants, yep. uh, branch pelagic and double crested. So there's, there's a lot of bird variety out on the rock. We also have, um, uh, sewage settling ponds that are like a three minute, two minute walk, something like that from yeah. us that are fantastic for birds especially in the winter you get a lot of ducks and shorebirds um there's a forest real nearby so it's really good area for uh for a pretty dense birding so you can you can get a pretty high species list pretty quickly for a small for such a small area yeah and so we'll add the um the website onto the show notes and also i'll try to figure out a good place to add it on the podcast website so you can easily find it um, but yeah, I didn't want you guys to feel like we were just like advertising to you, like come stay at our hotel because that's, I mean, we'd love to have you stay it's at our hotel. It's not the Seabreeze Court, um, podcast. Pod- yeah. <laughs> but this is real like DL information. We do offer a bird discount, but that's only if you call to make a reservation. Yeah. Call, call direct. You, we can give you a burger discount. Just mention, mention the burger discount. Well, yeah, but also <laughs> if if everybody starts asking for that because I know not everybody's a birder. Yeah. But if everybody starts asking for that, then I'm gonna implement a um, some sort of test. Well, we'll have a, a a knowledge test. Yeah. Of some sort. Yeah. Ask a couple questions. Exactly. <laughs> to, to just ensure that somebody's actually a birder and not just looking for a discount. Yeah. Identifiable field marks from a 
spotted Toheath away from a robin well, or don't something give like that. Them a question. So something like that. <laughs> so, something that's fairly easy that you can. Yeah. If the, you're a birder, like, you'll know. Yeah. Somebody that knows what a bird is. Yeah. Can probably figure out. Um, not that we don't want to give everybody a great deal. It's just we're our, a family. Price, our prices are already competitive. We're a family-owned business, and we need to we need to support our business. Yeah. And we, you know, want you to support local businesses too yeah. <laughs> if you have the option. Yeah, so that's that's where we work, what we do. Yeah. Outside so, of this. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also did want to give a listener shout out because, you know, I've been doing that. So the top listeners from our last episode, the city that had the most listeners at it, in it, however the best way to phrase that is, was Seattle, Washington. Woo, Seattle. Yeah, you guys are awesome. So thank you all for listening. Uh, of course, we still have a lot of listeners in the UK, and hopefully we'll get over there sometime. If anybody wants to invite us to the bird fair, that'd be cool, you know? Well, We'd love to go. Invite us and <laughs> help us get well, there. Well, I figured, <laughs> I figured inviting us was like... A low-key way of saying oh, oh, pay I for see. us to go. I see. No, no worries. <laughs> we'll uh, get there eventually. Yeah. Maybe not next year, maybe the year after. We'll get everywhere Sometime eventually. Sometime soon. Ugh, so many places to go. Yeah, seriously. So, uh, rarities. We have, There have been a lot of rarities uh, moving around the U.S. and Canada, so a lot of the ABA area. Yeah. Um, we've had... There's rarities moving around over in Europe, too. There are, yeah, and we <laughs> found some. Uh so in this area, we in Nova Scotia, we've had barnacle goose seen lately. Uh, Newfoundland and Labrador have had tufted duck. California had a rough. Um, and I think when we were gone, uh, Oregon had a rough too. Um, Alaska, yeah, I think I've ever seen that. Alaska's seen a ton of stuff. They've seen a brambling, an arctic loon, a uh, gray wagtail, olive-back pipit, ivory gull, slateyback gull, just a lot of different things, so... I feel like there's no bad time to go to Alaska. Maybe for weather, but not for birds. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think... Do they see stuff, like, in January? Does anything happen in January? Is anyone even there to see anything in January? <laughs> Alaska is closed in January. Alaska is closed for two months. <laughs> yeah. January, February, we're closed for business. Um, Texas has had an Appalachian falcon and a Morlet seed eater. Where Flo Were those seen outside of the valley? I'm not exactly sure where they were seen. Oh, okay. I just know they were seen there. I think they're still rare enough that... Really? Well, just un unusual enough. Oh, okay. I can do some more research. Uh, Florida has had a shiny cowbird, Arizona, rose-throated Picard, rufous-capped warbler, and then sharp-tailed sandpipers have been showing up, like, all over the place. They've been seen in Alaska, British Columbia, California, and then in Michigan. Hmm. Not on the West Coast. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Odd. Yeah, a lot so... Odd place. Lots of cool things. And so... Oh, I was gonna say, and then our our trip. Yeah, so we just uh, we just went on a trip. Last you saw our heroes, we're leaving California, headed to Copenhagen. Yeah, and we made it to Copenhagen, <laughs> and then back. So now we're we're back home already. But in the meantime, in between California and getting back home, we went to Sweden. We did. And we went to Norway. We did. And we went to a whole bunch of other places. Which but will this be time... separated over multiple episodes. But today we're just talking about Sweden and Norway. Yes. Because we did so much stuff that there is, there, there's no way we can include it all in one episode. It's, it was nonstop birding, nonstop adventuring for how many ever days we were gone. It was, yeah. it was intense. And it was a lot of fun. And by the way, we went to Sweden and Norway. 
We don't speak Swedish and we don't speak Norwegian. No, we don't. And we Not also... Not at all. <laughs> like, okay, so we're going to say, like, some place names in this episode. And, like, if you speak Swedish or Norwegian, like, we are sorry. Yeah, we apologize profusely because we got made fun of, kind of. We got, we got it pointed out to us a couple times Come while on, we were there. We do the same about, thing to people when oh, they come to Oregon oh, and try absolutely. to pronounce things. Oh, I know. And it's fine. It's it's all in good fun. Yeah. But we definitely were pronouncing words way <laughs> wrong. And the, the phonetics of Swedish, Norwegian, all the Nordic languages are very different from the phonetics of English. I had no idea. <laughs> I, I don't know. The, Sound they, like they, an idiot walking around. <laughs> they, they use all the, in Swedish at least they use all the same letters, a couple a couple extra accents and stuff, umlauts, stuff like that. But all the same letters. So it's the Roman alphabet. So you'd think, oh yeah, you could pronounce it, but no, you can't. <laughs> if you know English and you don't know Swedish, you can't pronounce Swedish. But also the other wonderful thing is that most people in Sweden, we met one person in Sweden that didn't speak English. I don't uh, think he was from Sweden though. I think he was from somewhere else and he was just visiting. Yeah, maybe. but he he was also older. So uh, the older generation may not have been uh, learning English in grade school like they do now. Yeah. Not that we expect everybody to speak English everywhere we go, no, because no. that's not going to be the case. And also that's very Amerocentric, I think. Yeah. And we've been plenty of places where Spanish is the only language that people are speaking. And, you know, I, I speak Spanish, so it works out all right. But we don't speak Swedish or Norwegian, so. <laughs> so going on this trip, we had a lot of people ask us, like, why would you go to Sweden <laughs> to go birding? Oh my gosh, after going, why wouldn't you go to Sweden? <laughs> Seriously. But the reasons we booked this trip, so I, like, follow a lot of cheap flying websites and just kind of, like, wait for something that sounds interesting and, like, is a reasonable price to pop up. And, or, you know, just, like, take a dart and, like, throw it in a map. And we're like, okay, we're going there next time, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that was one of the reasons why I found a really cheap flight in, in and out of Copenhagen from Los Angeles. Um, and then also I wanted to see the Northern Lights, which we didn't. And no. we didn't even really try. We kind of just forgot about that. Well, we were busy. There's a lot of birds. There were a lot of birds. So anyways. Well, and it was a solar. It's We're, we're in a solar minimum right now. So solar activity is kind of low. So there, you'd have to, we would, we would have had to go like another eight or nine hours north of where we were at to have a chance. But, and also there's you know. like a lot of places in the world to go. Oh yeah. And you know, we want to visit as many of them as we can. Oh yeah, and definitely. So like, you know, at some point we were going to get to Sweden. Why not now? Why not now? Yeah. When, so, the, when their flights are cheap. Yeah. <laughs> so those are some of the reasons we booked this trip. Yeah. So, so we, we booked it cause it was cheap and then we had kind of an overarching plan for what we were going to do. We had, we had a plan. We were going to drive, we were going to take a ferry across to Lithuania. This was our tentative plan. Yeah. I mean, we we're playing everything by ear. Normally we book out our trip everything. pretty, pretty extensively. Uh, but this one, since we we're going to a place that we could drive in comfortably and you know, most people spoke English and, and internet's regular. Yeah. You can get internet pretty much everywhere. Yeah. So we decided to play everything, uh, by the seat of our pants. So we really only had a couple nights booked in a hotel. Yeah, two, um, two nights in Malmo, Sweden, flights in and out, and a rental car booked. Yep. That's all, that's all we had for a total of... Uh, like three weeks. Something like that. So the, the rest of that entire trip, we had nothing booked, and we were, we were just excited to try this whole new thing that we'd never done before where we just don't book anything. And I'm sure there's so many people that, that travel that way, just go from hostel to hostel, but that's just not the way that we've never done that. We before. feel comfortable traveling. And it was, everybody travels different. Yeah. And we wanted to try it a different way. So Eric, you want to detail our 
tentative plan? All right, so our tentative plan initially, fly into Copenhagen, stay two nights in Malmo just to get over our jet lag and get get ready to go, which Malmo's right on the border of Sweden and and Copenhagen airport's right on the border of Denmark. So they're they're right next to each other. It's half hour, yeah, 45 minutes away from each other. So we were just going to drive across, sleep for two days, and then... <laughs> sleep for two days? Yeah, sure. Two days of sleeping. And then, then we were going to head off on the adventure. And the, the plan was get a um, ferry ticket over to Lithuania, and then drive Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, birding the whole way through, take a ferry across to Helsinki, and then either drive from Helsinki all the way around the top of the Baltic Sea, the northern tip, or take a ferry over to Stockholm after birding in Finland for a little while. Ferry over to Stockholm and drive over to Oslo, do some birding through Norway and Sweden, and work our way back to Copenhagen. Sounds like an exhausting trip, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> and right after we landed, we found out that that trip is not going to happen. We went to the rental car place, <laughs> and the guy said, you can't drive in Estonia, Latvia, or Lithuania with one of our cars. Yeah, so there's, um, over in Europe... You can drive no problem between any of the any of the European Union countries, any of those countries over there, except you can't go from East Europe to West Europe or West Europe to East Europe in a rental car. There's and there's some insurance things that they have, even though the companies exist on both sides of East and West Europe. Avis is on the west side and the east side. Their cars can't move from place to place, unfortunately. We had told many people about our plan, like a lot of like friends and like guests at the hotel and even like people that were in like Denmark that came to the hotel and stayed with us. We were like telling them about our plan. Nobody told us about this. Yeah, maybe they thought we'd figured it out or maybe, I don't know. Yeah, well, I don't know if that's something that everybody knows. It might not be general knowledge. So this is our big Headline for this episode, you cannot drive a car from Copenhagen to Lithuania. Yeah, so what we would have had to do is rent a car and then return it and then fly over or take a ferry over without a car and then rent another car in Eastern Europe in uh, either Estonia up at Tallinn or down in uh, Riga, uh, Lithuania. We We would have had to rent a different car. So... We didn't go with that plan. We, we like, were standing at the rental car company. Trying to come up with a whole new plan. Yeah, trying to come up with a completely new plan. Fortunately, we were able to cancel the car reservation and then modif- uh, modify it. M- yeah, I guess modify it. So it was a little bit shorter. Um, so we had the rental car for about nine days. Mm-hmm. And we got to the hotel in Malmo after that. And we're like, okay, well, I guess now we'll move on to the next thing. Yeah, so we ended up uh, choosing... To just spend basically seven days driving through Sweden and then doing the next phase of our trip. But Which we'll get to in the next we'll, episode. We'll talk about that the next time. So, but, so our seven days in Sweden were whirlwind seven days of lots of driving, lots of birds. Well, we, we had 106 species in Sweden, over, oh, in Sweden yeah. over, over seven days. Mm-hmm. Which for tropical birding that doesn't sound like very much. <laughs> doesn't sound like anything at all. But it was so much fun. And there was so, like, different birds. We, birds that we weren't expecting. We ended up finding rarities that, uh... Well, let's just talk about it. Okay, we'll start at the beginning. Okay, so, (laughs) got to our hotel in Malmo. We stayed at the Moment Hotel, which is right near the train station. Very, very tiny. Yeah, it's like a very (laughs) European hotel room. It was tiny. It was adorable. I loved it. Um, 
And then we slept and the next day woke up and went to Falsterbow, which we had heard so much about and we knew we wanted to go there and fortunately we were able to um, get up yeah. early and go. Yeah, seriously. So Falsterbow is, we're probably saying it horribly. Yeah, sorry. Falsterbow is the southernmost tip of Sweden. So there's, it's not, it's not an island, but it almost seems like an island. But it's all it's the a peninsula. It's, a pen, it's the tip of the peninsula, all the way at the bottom of Sweden, um, and it's a fantastic place for migrating birds. They'll stop for the last minute before they cross over uh, the Baltic over sea. the Baltic Sea over to Germany. When they're coming north, they'll do the same thing. It's the first bit of land that they see when they come across from Germany, coming across. So a lot of times they'll aim for it, and they have a little viewing station right, at, like literally right at the tip of the mm -hmm. of land. That you can stand there and see all sorts of crazy hawks going by. They have all sorts of really cool stuff that are just uh, just flying by, and the wind just gets going crazy. Oh my gosh, it down was there. whipping. It's because it, you're on you're on the tip of a peninsula. You have nothing but water all around you for like probably 300 degrees around you of water. So it's you're at the you're at the end. It's also on a golf course too. It so is. you have to wind through this golf course to get to it, which is nice that, you know, they can, golf courses and birding can actually um, have Try a good go relationship along. there because I know we've been kicked off golf courses for birding before. Uh, but I was a little worried with the wind that I was going to get hit. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Golf ball. Yeah, because you literally have to walk through the golf course. Yeah, through the holes. I don't know why they have the trail go yep. through the holes. The, the trail goes in between them and with the high winds that it's not a lot of the, like the real high high driving hits like they're they're driving these hits like real low to the ground so if you're walking through I, I there's signs all over the place watch watch out watch out watch out but I could see walking through there and right in the head like yeah. as, a, as a ball line drives right to you so so we watching out for that which <laughs> we did all we did okay there was guys playing even though there was like like 60 mile an hour winds. Hey, you don't miss your tea time. No, no, seriously. They they were out there. They were getting after it. But um, that that foster bow place. Oh my gosh, birders like crazy. M middle of, what was it? It was like a Wednesday. Yeah, Tuesday. So, I think so. And there were so many birders. Yeah. Out there. And they were all decked out. They all had scopes, cameras, and pinos. Like every single person probably had like what ten thousand dollars on them. Oh, at least. And the um. Something that we learned when we went over there, in, in America, or in the United States at least, a lot of times you'll see birders out there, and you'll see a group of birders, and there'll be like one or two scopes so for thinking, like five like, or six birders. What do you think? Like 25% of birders probably like actively use a scope? Pro something like that in, in, the, in the United States, yeah. But over over in Sweden, over over in um, Scandinavia and the Baltic states, it's it's upwards of 95 to 100% of people. Yeah. Everyone has a scope. And we, we talked to a few birders that it was pretty much, well, if you don't have a scope, how are you going to see the birds? And it's ubiquitous. You have a scope. So I am just so grateful that our <laughs> scope came. Yeah. I think we talked about it in our California episode. Yeah, it, it came. Remember. I think we did. It came the day before we left. Yeah. So, gosh, thank you, Zeiss, <laughs> for <laughs> giving us our scope. <laughs> Um, and ahead of schedule too. Yeah, seriously, that really like made a huge difference when we were burning because a lot of the birds were far off. Yeah, so everyone has a scope, and there are a ton of birders. They weren't just uh, Swedish people though. There was there were people from. We met some people from uh, from uh, Holland. We met some people from Denmark, Denmark. Some people from Germany. There was like I mean those state those countries are awful close anyways. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people middle of the week 
middle of the afternoon out there birding. I think like, a lot, a hand, like maybe seventy five percent of them were older. Yeah. And then there was like twenty five percent that were around like, our age or so. Yeah. Yeah. So, but most of them were retired. Yeah. But or as is a retirement age. Typically, the stereotypic birder. Yeah. An but, older man. Yeah, but there, there, there were there were younger people and there was women and there was a fairly. An average mix about probably what you would see in the United States at a burning location, but just so many more people yeah. than what you would normally see. So it was and everybody was cool. pretty quiet. <laughs> Very quiet. You know, I think there, I think maybe one thing that's different about the way that Scandinavians bird versus the way you and I bird um, is that they typically like stay in one place and bird from that one place for longer. All you, day. You and I usually like will stay at like a you know a viewpoint for like five to ten minutes and then start wandering down the trails or whatever but everybody there we'll, we'll stay if, if the activity is going on we'll, we'll stay when the activity is going but yeah. it seems to, to me what it seemed like is regardless of activity levels you you stay at the viewpoint activity drops to nothing you still stay there and you wait for the next batch of activity because we waited at that point for like we were probably there like what maybe two hours yeah but that gave us enough time to like walk the trail out there, scan the big pond that was right there, mm-hmm. and then watch a couple sparrowhawks fly over. And that was about it. We didn't stay much longer than that. Yeah, but a lot of the, like, there's eBird's not heavily used over there at all, but the few eBird lists that are on there, they're giant, like, long lists. Like, they'll, they'll have, like, 50 species, but then you look at the time frame, and they were out there for 11 hours. Ugh. Like, they, they sat stationary list for 11 hours or something like that. Which is, doesn't follow protocol for eBird, but it's it's just the way that they, that's the way they, they're, a lot of the people are birding over there. And we're stereotyping a lot based on our observations, yeah, so that's not necessarily from, the from, case. From what we saw, it's, it's what we saw. So, yeah. I mean, there's not, definitely people doing what we're doing, Yeah, I'm sure. And everybody birds differently. Yeah. Um... So a couple of the things that we we got at that point, um, we had European sparrowhawks were flying over like crazy. Lots we of sparrowhawks. Saw like dozens of them. Uh, we had pied avocets, which are super pretty. <laughs> it's just just like the avocets that we have the, the American or the um, yeah the American avocet. Yeah. But it doesn't have it's just black and white. So pied is like two colored. So it's just black and white. That's yep. it. Uh, Eurasian widgeons, there were a lot of kestrel, uh, Eurasian kestrels, mute swans, common shell ducks, Eurasian oyster catchers, vel- I saw a velvet scoter. I saw a bird fly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, by the time I got on it, it was too far away for me to even see anything but a blur of motion. It was like that point where I saw it fly past on the water, and I was like, Eric, velvet scoter! And he was like, where? And it's like, I don't know, it's in the ocean. <laughs> look for wings moving i don't know well i didn't know where you're looking the direction my binoculars were looking <laughs> it's hard for me to tell people where to look yeah that's that's a hard that's a hard thing to do it yeah it's it, it's flying in the waves eric it's flying in the that's waves. all i got um so man that was that spot was a lot of fun yeah there was there was a lot to see they have um banding station right there at the lighthouse so there was there, there's there's a lot of birding going on down there at that at that spot, and the um, the spot was just nice. It was windy, or than all get out, yes. and the it was kind of raining a little bit, 
But that was that's just the way it is sometimes. You're raining. So the then, birds are still good. Yeah, so after that we got back to Malmo and then birded around the town of Malmo a little bit. Um there were some some good parks that we went to. Uh and then went back to bed, got up, and then decided to head across to the other side of southern Sweden to an island called Erland. It's, uh, it's or Otterby, I don't really understand. I think um, Ottenby or Ottenby is the name of the city, okay. or the name of the this like the um, the commune, or which, the nature or the nature so, so, something like that. But it's um, but it's Erland is the like the name of the island. the name of the island, okay. and it's the southern tip of that island. Again, southern tip, right? Thing, things were like the tip right before it goes to water, so it's another good place for birds. And uh, it was about four hours away from Malmo, and. One of the things on this trip that we wanted to do is if we saw, like, a brown nature center sign, like, stop at that. Yeah. Because, like Eric said, eBird isn't super heavily used, so, you know, we might be missing some really great locations. And we definitely would have had we not been following our brown sign rule. Our brown sign rule. Always pull over when there's a brown sign. <laughs> well, this says something about nature. Oh, I that's guess. true. Because if it says cultural center or cultural museum, I don't we, know. We stopped at a couple of those. We did, but that's not going to be our target. <laughs> Um, and those might be definitely good too. Yeah, don't so, wanna, some of them can be really good. Don't want to leave anybody but out. Our first, uh, our first random brown sign that we saw was uh, for the um, Naturum Vattenricket. Vattenricket. I hope that's pronounced close enough that somebody can figure it out. Okay, I think we apologize enough. About yeah, it. but um, it was fantastic. So the um, it's it was it wasn't even that it wasn't that far off the highway. It wasn't that big either. It wasn't very big. It was like a wetland in the middle right or on the, the side of the city. Yeah, right, right, right at the edge of the city, and then uh, they they built a really nice nature center, um, elevated up through the wetland on piers. So we were hoping for a common kingfisher. Yeah, which we never ended up seeing. Never saw. Um, I'm sure they were right there. Uh, I'm sure there was some. We we probably walked right past one. It was just quiet. Yeah, <laughs> but the highlight of that location was that while we were birding. Um, we, they had like a, a trail that goes into the city, um, from the nature center and, and they we were a, looking at a shrike. Yeah. Redback shrike, Redback I shrike. believe. Um, there were a lot of people walking just up and down the boardwalk mm -hmm. and there was a gentleman that stopped. I had the scope on the, the shrike. And so he said, you know, what are you looking at? And I told him I'm looking at the shrike and he was with his wife, I imagine. And just super friendly and. We talked for a little bit. He asked where I was from, told him Oregon and, you know, United States, Oregon. And um, as we were, he was departing to continue on his walk, he said, you're very far from home, but you're very welcome here. And that was like the most touching thing that I feel like anybody's ever said to me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't feel know like, if that's sad or not. <laughs> so everyone we met was super nice all yes. through the, our whole trip. Everyone was nice, but um, Sweden especially, people were like extra super nice. And that I don't know. I just feel like I'm going to start saying that to people from now on <laughs> because that was you're very just, far from home, but you're very welcome here. I mean, there's been plenty of places where I don't really feel like I'm welcome. <laughs> like when we're traveling, it's like, well, you're a tourist or you know, yeah, whatever. Um, you're not really welcome, but yeah, that was just a super nice thing and just very in, indicative, not indicative, very, um, that just shows, you know, how much that Sweden, Swedish people like birders yeah. or. <laughs> so that nature center was really nice. Um, we went inside and walked around for a minute or two and beautiful 
and uh, then we decided to head on to Erland. I have to say, it, like I'm Scottish. It's a lot of the words. So the Swedish language. Okay. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> it's it's fantastic. Like the nature out there. The um, going out to some of these places. We we got down to the to the end of um, of Erland at um, a place called Otenby. It's all the way at the southern tip. And they're, like, just like at Foster Bow the day before, or two days before that, we, um, there was so many birders. Tons and tons of birders. And now we're looking at, like, a Thursday. And middle of the afternoon. Um, yeah, like, four like, o'clock. so many birders. Like, hundreds of birders just out here. And this is just, it's not peak, it wasn't peak spring migration. It wasn't anything. They weren't doing anything crazy. It's just an, another average day of the week out there and there's well, hundreds of fall birds. Migration. it's more or less during fall migration but there were hundreds of birders every single one of them has a scope every single one of them is all decked out in uh um fjall, fjall raven pants oh yeah that's another thing <laughs> everybody has fjall raven pants and now we want them i want them so bad <laughs> they're very expensive <laughs> But they look they they look adventurous. I, I and they look really comfortable. <laughs> well, Eric tried some on. He said they I, were comfortable. They were very comfortable. I tried some on. They were awesome. They outside <laughs> of my price range, but maybe maybe we can find a sale somewhere. <laughs> um, we'll start a Patreon so we can buy Eric some pants. <laughs> Get me some pants. <laughs> um, but this location was really cool. It reminded me of a national wildlife refuge. Uh, just yeah. That it was like big long roads that wound around through this. Um, like pasture land there were sheep grazing and that, that, that was another thing all of the natural areas in sweden were dual purpose that they would uh they would do some farming like um cattle or sheep or something like that but or, not like or over, hay but not overdoing it and like over um concentrating like the cows like we've seen yeah. in other places it was just like a couple cows here and there yeah so and th that was kind of the theme of uh sweden with the uh, farming is it, did, it really didn't seem a lot of times like it does in America, where it's very sterile and just like, just get the job done, get as much as you possibly can. It really seemed more like, these are still families doing farming, mm -hmm. like, just getting by, farming what they need to. I mean, I'm sure they're doing, they're corporate Sweden, just getting it done, but it... <laughs> It on the surface it looks it really looks like it's not like a sterile practice of just like ruining the land. Ruining land. It really it really seemed like it was working with the land, which was kind of nice to see. But all all of the nature places, most of the nature places, were partial farming still. Mm -hmm. Like the farmers were grandfathered in because they owned the property for years, and then then they've turned it into a wildlife refuge or something like that. But at the end of uh, is it. Is it Ottenby? Ottenby, Ottenby. Well, Ottenby, but yeah. like that 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 nature center that we went to, or the nature yeah, area. Yeah, it was it was called Ottenby down there. Yeah. yeah. So at the very like southern end of it, there was a lighthouse, mm -hmm. and um, so we like went through kind of like a grove of trees, and then we got to a place where it was like all like pasture land. I guess it wasn't yep. being great. No, I can't remember. But there were lots of lapwing. There tons, were tons, tons of, of wagtails. Oh my gosh, we saw so like every little bit had lots of wagtails. Um, and then we got down to the lighthouse, and we noticed that there's the Swedish Ornithological Society headquarters, just like right there. Yeah, which they do. That's another place where they do a lot of bird banding. Yeah, and they have these huge setups for it too. Mon monster setups of these uh, funnel nets, which 
I'm not super familiar with like the, the impact that practice of using a funnel net, but up from from the the things that we could read about it, I, I don't know if it's good for everything, but it seems like it was very effective. And I think they said they banned like twenty thousand birds at that station yeah, a year. Twenty thousand birds That's every incredible. year. That is so many birds. I don't. I don't know if, like I said, I don't know if fun, that using the funnel nets is environmentally safe or healthy. Or I, I honestly have no idea. But it seemed very effective. Yeah. And they, they do um, hawk banding. They do songbirds. So just tons and tons and tons of birds. They band at these. Every single one of the banding places that we stopped at, they're just banding birds left and right. Like, yeah. It was crazy. And it wasn't even peak season for that. So, But, yeah, so we got out and walked around a little bit around, like, that banding station and the lighthouse. And then we saw, oh, my gosh, just so many cool birds. We saw a common red start. I think that was the only place where we saw a common red start. Yeah. Um, Gold Crest. We yeah, had... we saw the common red start, and I didn't get a picture of it because <laughs> I was busy trying to look at my binoculars. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I, to me, That's looking okay. at, it's, it's all good. I saw it, so it's good. But also lots of um, uh, seabirds, too. We had great cormorants. We had blackhead gulls, common tern. A uh, lot of good things right there. So that is definitely a place not to be missed. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's like one of the... So from what we understood from talking to a couple of the birders in, in Sweden and around the area we pretty much hit all the big major spots through this trip <laughs> accidentally accidentally <laughs> but um yeah this place it, it was awesome gold crest we had a whole bunch of gold crest which is basically a kinglet in europe so it was they're they're fairly common but we got some really close looks at a whole bunch of them and that was the first place that we saw them was there finally and so we intended <laughs> on uh driving up to orbro and spending the night at a hotel up there mm -hmm. uh but we couldn't find anything up that way and it was gonna be a long drive so we ended up staying just on the um the mainland part from uh erland it was called it's called kalmar and there's a big college there and apparently like the hotels are filled with like college students and professionals during the weekdays yeah so it was like really expensive to stay there during a weekday like, yeah we went we went like in and talked Wednesday at like a conference day at a conference center or something like that. And cause they, they said on online, it said they had a vacancy. So we swung in and checked it out and they were like, no, 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 we're full. And it's like, oh. it's like, why, why is everyone so full? And she was like, well, it's the weekdays, the, the college students and the, um, and the workers are all in town. So that's like, like it was just a thing that, so I guess, I guess people stay in hotels when they're, uh, when they're in college in Sweden, I guess. So we got up, drove uh, towards Orbro, and stopped at a couple places, including Norcville, which I feel like I can't even remember where that was or what that was now. Do you remember? I can't remember Nor Norcville. But the one thing that, that we did after that, I think Norcville was a national park. Um, oh, you're right. It was. Yeah. And it ended up being really small. Very, very small. But... Um, I don't, I don't remember what we even saw at Norcaville. Um, we didn't see that much. We hiked up a trail and uh, we saw a black woodpecker. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh, yes. We saw the black, the black woodpecker. The, black, the one and only time that we saw a black woodpecker. And then a bunch of tits. We had crested tit, marsh tit, great tit. Um, the only place that we saw a uh, crested, crested tit. tit. Yeah. Um, Eurasian tree creeper, Eurasian robin, red crossbills. We had the crossbill flock fly over. Yeah, crossbill flock fly over, which yeah. we were hoping for something other than just red crossbills, but... But it was so yeah. different going to that national park versus the national parks, like, in the U.S. Um, 
like a national park to the U.S. I think of going to like I've I've been to Yellowstone. I know yeah. you haven't been, but there's a big like kind of nature center lodge and then mm-hmm. a bunch of little places to drive to and go to throughout it. But this was like and some developed uh, trails and this infrastructure was like up a back road. And like the only reason we knew we were there was because there was like a sign over the trail that said like Norcaville and then like a little kiosk. So that was not what we expected at all. But it's, but it's nice that the national parks are protected to be natural. Yeah. They're not, they're not developed like they're here in the States where if the park's large enough in the states here, part of it will be developed so that you can utilize part of it, and then a big portion of it won't be developed. But it seemed all the national parks we went to in Sweden were basically all completely undeveloped. There was very, very little infrastructure. There was pit toilets and, like, a sign or two, and that was about it. So we didn't stay there for very long uh, because we wanted to head off to this birding tower on Lake Tack. Torkern. It, it looks like... It's spelled Tackern. It's spelled Tackern But it has a little English. O, or it has a little, like, dot or period over the A, which causes it to be Torkern. Yeah, Tor- Torkern. Yeah. And that spot was really nice. There was a nice nature center there. There was a tower and then a neat little trail that had all these, like, interpretive signs and, like, really cool interpretive tools. Like, there's... Yeah. I posted a video. I don't remember on Facebook or Twitter or all Somewhere of the above. on the internet. But they had these uh, manually operated, uh, uh, like, interpretive speakers. That, mm-hmm. Like, you, you spun a thing, you know. And you, you would power it up. Like, yeah. Just like you'd power up a flashlight that you would spin. Yeah. So that was really cool. And then you, you could choose, like, nine different languages that it would, it would give you a little uh, interpretive explanation as to why that particular spot is showing something off. So one of them was talking all about how the wetlands at the edge of this um, Lake Torkern are important for different fish and different uh, bird species that eat the fish and the snakes and stuff. Another one was talking all about the um, how historically they would farm the areas and they would mow, basically mow the grass with the cattle and that would keep the trees from coming up and that would um, like allow the habitat to remain as basically a prairie sort of situation, uh, an oak, oak mott or something like that. Mm-hmm. So there was there was lots of like interesting information from these little manually spun up powered. Uh, but I've never seen one things. like that before. Yeah, they, they were really cool. cool. Um, so there was a big lake there that had just a ton of birds, lots of gray lake geese, um, mallards, gadwalls. Uh, there were. I believe mute swans. I don't have mute yeah, swans on our list. There was mute swans. Oh, they're way off in the distance. Okay. Um, I guess I didn't put it on the list. Black-headed gulls, great scops, uh, great crested grebes. So yeah. it was fantastic birding. It was later in the day. Um, Eric was taking pictures of some hawks near the nature center, I... and there was a guy taking pictures too. And he, Eric took a picture, and the guy gave him like a thumbs up, and we were like, "Yeah, great birding." Yeah. And then we found out more. Yeah, so I was taking a picture of this this uh, falcon. I we were calling it a sparrow hawk. Oh, I, I was calling it a kestrel. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, right, I was calling kestrel. it a, no, sorry, a hobby, not a, not a kestrel. I was calling it a hobby because it had face markings like a hobby. So I wasn't. I wasn't paying that close attention to it. I honestly was just trying to get some pictures of it. And then I wasn't even looking at the pictures. I was taking the pictures. Then we had some, a couple of eagles fly over. And so I was like, oh, so I got distracted by the eagles. But it turns out that the falcon that I was taking pictures of, and the, the reason that the, the other guy was giving me a thumbs up and was so <laughs> excited about it, is because this the falcon that I was taking pictures of was a rare species that was eruptive. That's being eruptive this year. They're, um, for whatever reason... 
flying through Sweden, which they're not typically found in Sweden, and it's called a red-footed falcon. And so Eric accidentally <laughs> got a picture of this. I accidentally got some pictures. And we didn't figure it out until later. <laughs> yeah, like two days later, I was going through the pictures, and for something spurred me. Something was like, hey, you should go look at those pictures of that, uh, of that hobby. And so I go and look, and it's like, oh, that's it, it, the barred tail. It, it was definitely, definitely the red-footed falcon. And I was like, oh. Well, that's cool. I'll go back. <laughs> I'll go back and amend my list because we we looked at it. I just didn't identify it as a red-footed falcon in the field. So that was that was pretty exciting. Yeah, definitely. Um, and actually, it was John, one of our listeners that lives mm-hmm. in Sweden. Uh, he was the one that alerted us that there were red-footed falcons being seen. So yeah. we wouldn't have even known to look for it. No, and and when we, when he told us that, it was kind of we kind of like um, like yeah, whatever. Just it's if it's a rare bird. We'll we'll go to where it's not rare yeah. at some point. We don't need to we don't we don't need to bolster our Sweden list by chasing down rarities in Sweden. Like I get why people would do it. Yeah. Oh, de- definitely. But when everything else is new to us. <laughs> yeah. When when we're getting like eight, nine, ten new species every single stop that we make, it's like well, what's it's there's no point in like hunting for the rare species that's there. Like, t- to me, I don't feel like that. I but mean, the fact that we just stumbled upon it was funny. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was funny and interesting. And uh, sure, it was, it was an extra boost. And it's kind of kind of cool to be like, oh, well, we saw in back in 2019, we saw when the red-footed falcons were eruptive. We, we were over there. Um, so anyways, we stopped at a couple other stops along the lake, not too much else there, and then headed to stay the night in Orobro, mm-hmm. which um, was just north of that. It's fantastic, a little town. We went to this great restaurant and had like traditional nor um swedish food mm-hmm. uh it was called the horbro air hall or something like that it's like o-r-h-a-l-l it was wonderful we got to know the bartender and yeah. the, a gal sitting next to us was like giving us all these recommendations for like what we should eat and what we should drink and she's a table tennis referee mm-hmm. in like the olympics she's, or something yeah, she, she did it for the paralympics um she's done it for the olympics she's done it for the paralympics and like, for the world championships or something. And, like, I didn't know anything about all this, and she told us it all, and it was just really interesting, really cool. Um, she suggested that I get these, like, potato pancakes with, like, loganberry and bacon. Oh, my gosh, best meal I have had in a long time. And so Yeah, so she, she said, that, what, she what about She said, it? like, so this is a traditional Tuesday lunch. Yeah, it's a Tuesday out, lunch. Out here in Sweden, so... I had that for dinner on, like, a Thursday. Um, but, yeah, it was really good. Great suggestion and very nice folks that we met there. Yeah, so um, we ended up not taking her suggestion as places to go um, just because we kind of didn't have enough time to go everywhere. Yeah. We, we probably should have taken her suggestion because that's usually how we've got good things. We just take suggestions. But we ended up going the next day to a place called... Uh, um, Kvismarin. <laughs> Kvismarin. <laughs> National Reserve. And it wasn't too far away from uh, Orobro. It no, was, it was real close. It was south, though, and we were trying to head west. So yeah. it was a little bit out of our way. But it had some really good um, eBird lists that were recent. And I can't remember the name of the gentleman who had had those lists, but we ended up running into him, which was really funny. Yeah. It was like, you're the reason we came here. <laughs> um, <laughs> So we we had some trouble figuring out exactly where to go because there were just, like, parking lots and random trails. Um, but we hiked a bit through there and ended up meeting some ringers. And they were um, 
younger people from, I think there were a couple people from Spain. Yeah. And then maybe some Swedish folks with them as well. But they, like Eric said about ringing over there, or banding is what we they, call it in the we, U.S. We call it banding, they call it ringing. Uh, they had, Same like, thing. They were getting tons of birds. Oh like, my gosh. We watched the, the people you know, that went to the nets and, like, pull out birds, we watched them come back two or three times, and they had, like, five or six birds each. Yeah. Like, I've never had that when we've been banding. It's usually, no. like, one bird an hour. Yeah. Well, I, I've been I've been out banding a couple times with a couple different people, and that, like, their day, they were talking about how it was a really slow day and things weren't going good. Their day was, like, about, like, to the good or ap- above average day that I've ever been out banding. So it's... It's, it was just interesting to see the different success rates based on, like, I don't know if it's based on habitat or if it's just that they, something different about what they do. Maybe the bird concentration is higher and they know. just, I don't know. But it, it was it was interesting to see the difference. That was just such a great spot. There were thousands of gray leg geese and common crane. Like the common oh, crane. Oh, there was thousands of common cranes. They weren't like in a place that was easily visible, but we were standing at this tower and we heard a noise like coming from the fields that were like maybe a mile away. And so we put the scope on it and it's all cranes. It's just just tons it, of cranes. It really it wasn't even a field anymore. It was just cranes. It was just <laughs> All the way across from one side of the field to the other, just full of common cranes. And there, we were, I think we were over a mile from them. And it was loud enough that I got a, a fair, an okay recording, audio recording of it. So they were just so loud and so many of them. Um, but it was a fantastic place. We had lapwings, common ring plovers, dunlin, common snipe, had one flying around, mm-hmm. um, common green shank. So we, we saw a golden eagle while we were out there also. Yeah. And when we went back to go tell the, um, the, the ringers, like how things were going, what we saw out there, we mentioned, oh yeah, a golden eagle. It was, it was a mature golden eagle, like with a golden ape and everything. Mm-hmm. Like it was very obvious. And they were like, really? Oh man. So, so they were like super excited about that. So it's like, oh, I didn't realize that that would be slightly uncommon. Yeah. But apparently it was, and they were they were all excited about it. I think I think they were gonna go head out and go look at one <laughs> in between uh, in between sets of checking the nets. But that was a super good spot, and I'd definitely go back there again. Yeah, definitely Kavismarin uh, National Reserve. Yeah, um, we stopped, and then we were headed towards Oslo, so we stopped by another national park and kind of got rained out and didn't mm-hmm. really see much there. Um, really hoping for a dipper, and there was like a stream running through it, but it was like a. <laughs> It was a really slow stream. So, so I, I had an objective of seeing the national bird for every na- nation that we went to while we were there, which we didn't succeed in because we missed seeing the dipper. But I got close. We got most of them. But anyways, we um, we made our way to Oslo, uh-huh. which um, which is in Norway, if you don't know. Just on the Sweden-Norway border. Yeah. It's it's a ways away from the border, but it's it's close. Um, and we, we stayed... At uh, a Scandic hotel. And Scandic hotels are all over the place mm-hmm. up there. Um, each city has like four or five of them, it yeah. seems like. Um, so that, and, and it seems like they do vary a little bit. But yeah. I'm sure if you're like up there and you're like, you know, steadfast, you're going to only stay at Scandic. I'm sure there's going to be like ho- hotel rewards that work out for you. Oh, probably. But we're just going based on what's cheapest. Daily most, price. <laughs> yeah, most reasonable. So we stayed at a lot of different hotels. We weren't like loyal to anyone. No, it's whoever was cheapest that night. Um, and we had a very terrifying drive through Oslo at night. Uh, apparently there's a tunnel that goes all the way under town. Oh my gosh. So 
Norway has some fantastic um, um, transportation infrastructure, bridges and tunnels and everything. They don't, they don't make the environment bend to their transportation infrastructure. They bend their infrastructure to meet the terrain. So big mountain comes in the way instead of blowing, knocking the whole thing down to make the road flat, they just bore, bore a tunnel through it. Uh, there's a there's a canyon they build a bridge over it like everything like to keep the roads like reasonably drivable they tunnels bridges tunnels bridges lots and lots and lots of tunnels in oslo half, half the town is underground it was it was it was pretty cool but at night they were doing some construction and they shut down the tunnel going the direction back to the hotel we, we went into downtown got some dinner and it was like 11 o'clock at night. And we're trying to get back to the hotel and the tunnel was closed and we could not for the life of us figure out how to get back to the hotel. It took forever. It was, it was like an extra two hours when it was like a five minute drive. And also, um, just a heads up, it's, it was a lot more expensive than we thought it was going to be. I know everybody's like, oh, Scandinavia is really expensive. It was like more than just expensive. Yeah. Um, it was like posh, like luxury expensive I mean, prices like walking around like i don't know if it's downtown oslo or if we were like in the tourist department uh, district or something but there were like high-end retailers all over the place it was like being in in the part of vegas that's not like casinos you know like the uh, it's called like what the millennium mall or something like that something like that yeah. we walked through it a couple mm -hmm. times in vegas where it's just like Ralph Lauren and like Hugo Boss or just like Louis Vuitton, like stores we would probably never shop in. Yes, yeah, stuff that we can't afford to get, but it's just like really, really fancy, high end, nice. So we felt out of place. <laughs> yeah, and the, the restaurants were the same way. Yeah, they, they were, were. They were very nice, and the the dinner we ate was delicious, but it was very. I think it ended up coming out. We we each had we each had one beer and we each had one entree. No dessert, no appetizers, no nothing. I think we were over a hundred dollars. Yeah, probably for dinner. So. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, it's it's pricey, but it was good. And just budget for it. <laughs> so the next day, we had planned to kind of bird around Oslo a little bit. Um, we had a couple places staked out, but had so much trouble finding any of them. We It was like a super frustrating part of the trip was being in Oslo, <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately. We definitely want to go to Norway and explore more of Norway. More of we Western just, Norway, like more into outside of the city. Yeah, we just didn't really have the chance this time. Yeah. Um, but we did stop the, at a little wetlands that was along the road. Uh, Grey Heron, Eurasian Magpie, Mute Swans. So not a whole lot of like different stuff. And then drove around to a very frustrating trip to try to get to this other location called Arnestigan. 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 Sure. Uh, I, I wish we would have taken some pronunciation lessons. <laughs> <laughs> but on the... So at that place, it was kind of weird there's like a parking lot and then like a um gate and then just like a like foot beaten road mm -hmm. out to no like we didn't couldn't figure out where and there were tons of people walking on it like tons of people we had like people passing us along the way and so we asked somebody we were like is there an event going on is something happening and she's like oh i don't know this is only my second time here and it's like okay because there were like people with strollers and there were a stuff. lot of people that were not dressed to be hiking, but they were just out there hiking. Yeah. And I think that's all they were doing. They were just out there hiking. Maybe. It was just surprising. Yeah. There's I, just so many of them. Yeah. I don't see that here unless there's like a, a, like a big nature event. festival or something. Yeah. Um, so we hiked like on this trail that ended up being like a game trail after a while <laughs> um, <laughs> along the river there in 
like outside of Oslo and we like couldn't figure out where all the people went because <laughs> we were I guess we're going so much slower than everybody else. Yeah. Um, we, we were, were like, stopping and burning the whole way. Yeah, we were like, where did all everybody go? And we like went down a trail and didn't see anybody the whole time and it felt like we were just wandering through a field, so we turned around and went back. And then we looked at the map when we got back and there was like a bird tower, like I think what, we, a couple hundred feet from I, where I we think stopped. Five or six hundred feet further we would have got to a bird tower, which is where everyone was headed. I guess. Oh, I'm so stupid. <laughs> but but we, we saw some cool stuff on the way. And the bird tower faced over this. It, it faced towards the direction of where we were looking at when we were walking. So we probably wouldn't have seen anything different. No, I just want to see what everybody was looking at. Yeah. <laughs> so um, after that, we were headed to John Copping for the night, which is probably also mis you know a horrible way to pronounce that. Yeah. But that's how it looks. Um, so it looks in English. We stayed at a very nice hotel called the Hotel Vox. The Hotel Vox. It was very nice. And uh, the room was tiny, but it was like futuristic. Yeah, it was, and it was down. It was a downstairs underground Basement. room. Yeah. yeah. It was, I think the win, the room said no window or something like that. Yeah, it, was, it did. It was uh, double room, no window. <laughs> but it was super cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and on the way there, we got like super hungry and like angry. We were like yelling at each other, like hangry about where should we eat. And, like, you know, in America, when you're driving around, you see, like, an Applebee sign, and you just, like, stop there or wherever. Uh, well, on the side of the highway, the signs for restaurants are gigantic. So In the U.S. In the U.S. Yeah. And so they're, you'll they're see... They're easily visible. They're easily visible. It's not just, like, another building. Like, it'll be a lot of standalone restaurant buildings. Applebee's, McDonald's, stuff, like, fast food chains, and then also just regular restaurants, sit-down restaurants, have big, huge signs. That is not the case in northern europe yeah our gps because we rented a gps since our phones don't have data in um in scandinavia and so we were looking at the gps and it kept having like food signs like on the route a little, little fork and knife picture yeah and we couldn't like figure out where any of these were <laughs> we, we ended up finding mo sometimes we found them and it was like it would just be a small like like mom and pop little restaurant but there'd be no signs the only way you know it's a restaurant is because like on the front door it'll say some hours yeah it's like, oh, all right, well, that's a restaurant. So we were, like, hangry, so we stopped at this um, mall that had, uh, like, a burger restaurant in it, and we got a couple burgers, and the gal at the counter was, like, asking us where we're from because, you know, we made her speak English, and uh, <laughs> we were like, oh, we're from America, we're from Oregon, or United States, not necessarily. You know, part of America. Yeah, one, um, one of the Americas. Yeah. And she was like, what are you doing in Moss, Norway? <laughs> we were like, we're hungry. <laughs> we're, we're hungry, so we stopped. Well, why are you in Moss? Why'd you stop at Moss? <laughs> like, lady, this is the only place we could figure out a restaurant. <laughs> well, there was a big sign for a mall, so we stopped in the mall because yeah. we figured there'd at least be a food court. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just think about that when you're, like, you see people going along. You're like, what part do I play in this person's story? Yeah. We're the yeah. weird Americans that stopped at a mall for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, John Copping, the ho hotel was really nice. And the only, uh, so we had missed it on the way going mm -hmm. north. And so we decided we wanted to hit it on the way south. Yeah, cause it, because there's another lake there. And yeah. I that would be interesting. And um, we actually bumped into a friend of a friend. His name was Peter. Mm -hmm. And he invited us to go birding with him. Yeah, so we ended up spending the whole day birding with Peter. Yeah. Which, which was pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he... Birding with a local. like Could pick out a lot of the things that we were having trouble with. Oh, yeah. By, by ear, be able to catch a lot of the things that are normal, regular birds. 
there, but we're just kind of like chiff chaff and mm-hmm. common chaffinch and stuff thing things that are really common, but because we just don't we don't we're not familiar with the sounds yet. That are just flying over. <laughs> that, that, as they're just flying over, it's like, well we can't we can't pick those out. And I, I did feel bad for him because the place it was really foggy the day we went, mm-hmm. and so we kept going to different locations and it would be fogged in, <laughs> <laughs> and so like little things would be flying over, but you know we couldn't really get bins on them, and he was very patient <laughs> and helped us out a lot with our IDs. Yeah, but it was a great time birding with him. We really appreciate him um, taking us out. Yeah, and it was like really it was hardcore songbird migration through that area when we were there. There we stood on one point. And the, um, the chawfinches and the, the, um, is it the, the green finches and the, bull- yeah. and the, um, goldfinches, they were just flying over like crazy. Like we would have like flock thir- 30 birds, 30 birds, 30 birds, just mm-hmm. over and over and over all, all flying South over this point, which I guess the particular spot we were at was a little concentration point. So it was just like if this if the weather was was really nice this we could have seen so much, but it was foggy. So we we heard a lot and we saw a lot of birds that were half half disguised in the fog. Yeah, but it was it was pretty spectacular. Like just going and birding with like a local expert. Mm-hmm. Um, don't expect that when you come here and stay at the Sea Breeze Court with us. <laughs> <laughs> we're just local birders. Yeah, we're birders. I like we said we're not experts in anything. Yeah. And those who claim to be are liars. Be, be wary <laughs> of those who claim to be experts. Um, so after birding with him, we decided to head back to Malmo because we had to return the car and move on to our next part of our adventure. And uh, we liked Malmo and Malmo we wanted to go nice. to Falsterbo again. So we stayed the night at the Mayfair, which was a historic hotel. It was yeah. really cool. Historic um, hotels are pretty awesome. Yeah, we like doing that. And then the next morning, we had a few minutes before moving on to our next adventure. And so we went to Falsterbow again to see, you know, in the week if anything's really yeah, changed. Yeah, see if anything changed. See if we could spend some real time burning since we had talked to John or talked to um, Peter yeah. about like where to go. And he was like, oh, you got to spend more time at Falsterbow. So we did. We got out there. We, we got out there. As soon as we got out there, we set up the scope. And Hannah dropped her phone. And Hannah dropped her phone. It shattered the screen. <laughs> the whole thing just oh completely gosh. shattered all the way across the front. So then we like, we had to get back like, to <sighs> Copenhagen. So we like just beat it to Copenhagen, found a mall where a guy could like put over a cover over the broken, shattered cover. Ugh. Yeah. So be careful with your phone. Yeah. If, especially if you're like us and we depend on our phones, even without data. We depend on our phones significantly for when we stop for Wi-Fi or find directions and stuff like that. Super frustrating. But it ended up working out. We got we got a um, a cover over it, and any day now we'll go get you a new phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll start a Patreon for that. Yeah. Uh, so just some takeaways that we had from being spending a week in Sweden. Um, I <laughs> we stopped at a gas station. <laughs> And we we're like getting some like gas, some station. coffee and yeah. candy. And I asked the guy, the attendant, I was like, "So IKEA?" Because we saw IKEA's everywhere, oh. and I love IKEA. We were like, "Okay, so IKEA. The product names are they actual like Swedish words, or are they just like nonsense?" And he was like, "No, they're actual words, and sometimes they're names." So <laughs> I will definitely remember that every time I go to IKEA from now on. Yeah. Um, I. So another thing about Sweden, I loved. The transportation infrastructure in Sweden and in Norway and in Denmark and every, everywhere over there, the transportation infrastructure was so nice. 
The roads were well built. Every, everything was really nice. And the heavy equipment. I took a ton of pictures of heavy <laughs> equipment. I Such a nerd. I, I could make a whole podcast episode all about the heavy equipment because I was I so excited. I am not going to listen to that. <laughs> I, but it, it was really cool. The, the way the, bucks, the buckets actuate, the, the different design that they have to the buckets over there. Yeah, it was... It was very exciting. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I I couldn't keep my eyes off the equipment as we were driving down the road. It was okay. cool. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, we found that in uh, uh, Sweden, the national parks are like, they were okay. They weren't like our preferred birding places. What we really like were the nature reservats. Mm-hmm. So like the nature reserves. Um, and also the nature rooms. They tended to be really good burning spots. They had, you know, nature centers. A lot of them had like cafes. Um, so we really enjoyed going to those locations. Yeah. And so the nature reservoirs were nice, but I think the other thing that I thought was more interesting than that there's a difference in the way land is used is the amount of scopes that people have. Everyone has a scope. Every single person. If you don't have a scope, you're not birding. Yeah. Basically. Um, eBird isn't really that common. Uh, they use other programs like Igoterra and Bird Alarm uh, more regularly than eBird. So Eric and I are like top 100 eBirders like in Sweden <laughs> just because nobody uses it. Yeah. Which I'll take that. Yeah. If I get on it. the top 100, that's great. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> um, and then pretty much everyone speaks English. Mm-hmm. Um, they Almost everyone learns English at some point in their life and they learn enough to be conversational if if they're not perfect in english they're better than most americans yeah but everyone everyone knows english everyone knows it seems most people we talked to knew at least three languages they knew the language of their home country Mm -hmm. so if they're sweden swedish norway norwegian they would know the language of one of the adjoining countries um danish if they're living in sweden or vice versa or whatever and they would also know english so they most people it seemed that we talked to at least three languages. Some people were even more, but it was just like that. It's so different from the United States where you know one language and sometimes you know a little bit of a second language. But one thing that I did find really interesting about that. So um, Eric and I have uh, European heritage. Mm-hmm. So we're Caucasian white, you know, um, we like when we go to like, Ecuador. Mm-hmm. Most of the people there just assume we speak English. Yeah. And so most people, well, if they know English, I mean, in Ecuador, a lot of people didn't know English. Yeah, that's true. Um, but most of the time, you know, we have been birding. We look out of place uh, when we've been to some of these places. Uh, I don't know how to but say this without. <laughs> mo- most people would assume that we didn't, that, that we spoke the language that they're speaking. Yeah, Swedish, which, Norwegian, which is Danish. Just so like different that somebody comes out of speaking their, you know, native language, yeah. so Swedish, which felt nice that like we weren't super, I, we didn't, we weren't we didn't out seem of place. out of place. Yeah. Like, cause even when we go to France, like people look at what we're wearing and they're like, oh, you're obviously not French. You're, obvi- <laughs> you're obviously Americans. Look yeah. at you. <laughs> so that, that was kind of interesting. Like that people just assumed we were Swedish too. Yeah. Um, which actually Peter pointed out that Eric and Hannah are very Swedish names, yeah. <laughs> which I had no idea Hannah was. Um, but Eric was actually a lot of different places. Like 
Um, they always spell it right. Yeah, and you had a beer that was like St. Eric's, and there yeah. was like Eric's Trucking or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's there a lot of Eric this, Eric that. So it was, it was cool. And they all spelled it right, so yeah. that's even better. Yeah, and um, generally when we would approach somebody to ask them something or order at a restaurant, we'd ask them first, do you speak English? Um, and, and everyone spoke, pretty much everyone spoke English. Everybody so, was like, of course. Oh, they're, of course. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, but, I don't want to be rude. I want to ask. We just, yeah, we thought it was polite to ask. Yeah. Um, and then another thing was that there is a Swedish law. Did you find the word for yeah, it? Yeah, it's, um, it's like, I don't know, again, pronunciation, but almonds rotten. That sounds right. Yeah, it's, it means all man's right. And it's basically that everyone has the freedom to go wherever. As long as you're respectful of the property, you you can, if there's a field with cows, you're welcome and encouraged, or maybe just welcome, I don't know, to go ahead and go in that field looking for birds, or go in the field to go, I guess, drink the water from the river, whatever you want to do, you're, you're, you're free, you're free to do it as long as you're not destructive, and as long as you don't let the cows out, you're respectful of the property. You're, you're welcome to just go on it, which is so different from in the United States. Yeah, if you cross someone's fence, say Texas or any, anywhere out in the country where they have cattle, you, you cross their fence into their onto their property, you're you're liable to have something happen to you. Yeah. But o- over in Sweden, it's everyone's just doing it, and it's it's all good as long as long as you're respectful and you don't you don't damage anything, you don't get in the way of any kind of equipment. As long as you're respectful. You're, you're good to go. And that was something that uh, John, our listener from Sweden, he had mentioned in an email to us that, you know, you're actually welcome to, like, camp on anybody's land as long as, like Eric said, that you're not destructive or just um, enter people's private property. And, like, we weren't going to break. We weren't going to do that because, no. like, yeah, like Eric said, we've been conditioned to, like, you stay on your property or you stay in the public way. You don't go on to people's private land. But it was so... Um, enlightening when we were out burning with peter and yeah. he was like oh there was a snipe in this field and so he just like um took off you know unbuckled the electric fence and like went in and just and was bu- buckled it behind him and just started walking through he, he ne- was like, next to all these cattle yeah he was just like stomping around on his land and it was like oh man i was just waiting for something to happen <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it's it's all good to do over there that's just such a different it's, that's so culturally different yeah it's very culturally different it, it was it was nice it was it was nice to know that it's like okay well it doesn't we're not gonna get weird looks or anything like that if we're just standing around burning like people yeah. they're, they're not gonna come over and like yell at you for stop looking at my house or stop looking at my property or whatever yeah it is it's just you're just it's very freeing it's, it, it was very nice to be able to like relax. Go on people's property. <laughs> well, we, See what they're doing. We, 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 we didn't even like go on anyone's property. Hey, like, you don't want to look in your house. Yeah, but we, we, we just like, we burned it and it was just kind of in the back of our head that it was like, okay, well, no one's going to yell at us for parking here as long as we're out of the way. No yeah. one's going to, n- n- nothing. So it was, it was nice. Um, last thing is that ringing or banding is pretty common and it's very productive. So I would, I wish we could have joined um, somebody to do some banding. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were just surprised to see it so many different places throughout Sweden. Yeah. So, so that was Sweden <laughs> and Norway and Norway. And, um, next it was up great. we'll, we'll are... be looking for houses yes. um, in Sweden. <laughs> so send us listings, yeah, send us listings for houses so we can, we can move over there because yeah. it was very nice. <laughs> um, but upcoming, our next episode will be about the next phase of our trip that we just got back from. 
But, uh, but yeah, we have some yeah. other uh, just like tail end news. So the Global Big Day is on October 19th. So mm-hmm. if you're Coming able up. to participate and add to the world um, list because we're all burning together that day. Not against each other like every other day. <laughs> yeah, it's a combined group effort this time. It's not competitive. They're trying to get us to collaborate. <laughs> um, and other than that, we'll be at the Rio Grande Valley Festival. That's in less than a month. Uh, I believe it starts November 6th in Harlingen. I'm so excited. It's going to be at the new conference center. The new center. convention center. Convention center. Yeah. yeah, so that's going to be really cool. Uh, we hope to see us see you there and let us know if you're a listener. Yeah. Um, I think we're also able to announce San Diego now. Or not. I don't know. Well, I'm just going to say it. So, um, the San Diego Birding Festival is at the end of February, and we're going to be there as well doing some um, talks and also uh, tours. Yeah, so going to be doing some birding by bike. Yeah. yeah That'll wanna, be fun. If you want to come biking with us. Yeah. Um, See what it's like to do a big day of birding on your bike. You know, we're three-time champs. <laughs> so uh, three times running. I mean, you're just you're not gonna get that anywhere else. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna get to bird with three time champions birding by bike. Yeah, anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we've got Global Big Day, Rio Grande Valley Festival, and then the San Diego Birding Festival. So we're looking forward to all this excitement, and we hope you can join us for some of it. Yeah. So thank you all for listening. We had a great time recording it. I hope you have a great time <laughs> listening. Um, we um, we hope you enjoyed it and or learned something. Rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, Alexa, wherever wherever you can rate and review and subscribe to us on. Um, if you want to connect with us, you can follow us on Instagram at Hannah Goes Birding. Hannah with an H. And Eric Goes Birding. Eric with a K. Or um, follow our Facebook page, um, Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Follow our um, Twitter. At We, we Go, Go Birding. Birding. Um, we have a website. Um GoBirdingPodcast.com. <laughs> and uh, you can also email us at HannahAndEricGoBirding at gmail.com. You can tell us what you liked, tell us what you hated, and most importantly, just share us with everyone. Yeah, bring birding to everybody. Everyone needs to listen to birds. And birders. And us. And us. <laughs>